Imagine a world where you knew that you mattered and you belonged. The people cared about you because we were so darn good at listening to one another, no matter how different we are. That is what Sidewalk Talk is doing by putting listeners on sidewalks all over the world so that we can practice the art of connecting. Join me, founder and director Tracy Rubel, as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at sidewalk-talk.org. So I did something really different this time. My wonderful and esteemed friend and colleague, Rebecca Wong, who's a therapist in the Northeast of the United States, has this amazing project that I've known about for a long time. It's called the Connectfulness Practice. And she's had a, a podcast that is so rich and deep. And we were talking a few weeks ago, and she goes, you have to listen to this one that I did. And I went and I took it with me running. And I said, oh, Rebecca, I had this crazy idea. I want to go that deep with you in a dialogue for the Sidewalk Talk podcast. And where we went was a rediscovering of what Sidewalk Talk is about for me, but also a chance to be known because we talked a lot about leadership and how when you're a leader, people don't really know who you are. And a whole bunch of other topics, including, you know, how connection gets you to a level of depth like nothing else can. Some real personal, candid, heartfelt discoveries that I share with you here about listening on the sidewalk and pieces that have motivated it. And I'm going to dedicate this podcast to my mom. This is Tracy Rubel, and this is a little bit of a different format for our podcast. I've invited Rebecca Wong here, who I guess I've just fallen in love with her mission and her podcast. And when I thought about wanting to invite someone on to interview me, she was the person that came up. And I just thought we would have an amazing, deep conversation. And I really want to implore you to see what I mean by going to her podcast. So Rebecca Wong's Connectfulness Practice podcast is going to go to the depths and with so much grace and smarts. And you're going to have a transformational transmission, I think. (laughs) is how I describe it. And I thought, I want to have one of those. So in the process of starting this podcast, I thought it would make sense to bring someone really wise and connectful like Rebecca on to talk with me and maybe dip into how I've changed in four and a half years of leading Sidewalk Talk. So without further ado, Rebecca, hi you. Hi, Tracy. I'm so excited to be here and to get to interview you. So, um, you know, I, I want to just start with the basics. Mm. Why did you start Sidewalk Talk? Yeah, so I want to settle in inside because I think I give the, the, the PR answer. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I'm going to see if I can give the deepest possible answer. I started Sidewalk Talk because of my own sense of helplessness at the state of our world and utter heartache about it and no longer able to tolerate feeling futilely powerless. That's number one. 
I needed something to do about it. Mm. And then number two, my own loneliness, my own desire to belong. I think so many of us can relate to that. Yeah. So how have you found that Sidewalk Talk has impacted your life professionally, both as a therapist and also as a leader Mm -hmm. and just as a human? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a big one. Um, I'm going to start with leadership because uh, I'll tell you something. I didn't have a lot of experience with leadership and I, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second about this. Leadership, when you choose to do it with integrity is one of the biggest acts of service and one of the most painful acts of service I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. So partway through this project, I have called every boss that has ever managed me or reached out to them and said, thank you. I had no idea that, what you were actually providing me was so much grace and, and so much um, holding. I had no idea. Because I think that when we lead, so often we're objectified. Yeah. And it's a very lonely position. So for someone that wanted to not feel lonely. You put yourself in a lonelier place. I put myself in a lonelier place sometimes, not necessarily because I'm not having connection or contact, but because so often the connection or contact is based on some role that I'm playing. And I'm like, you don't know me. You're making up a story about me. That doesn't, even if it's a positive one, it doesn't feel connected. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I find that that's such a big piece of of so much is the stories that we make up about ourselves, that we make up about others, that I'm curious what that has taught you or what you've learned mm-hmm. from that kind of piece about connecting that you didn't otherwise know. Uh, you know, what just came upon me was so sweet. I, I, I love that I'm learning something about myself in the moment. You know what? What it's taught me is to not make up so many stories about myself mm-hmm. to about start yourself. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think early days, I felt like I needed to present myself in a particular way or be a certain way. And it hasn't necessarily been from listening to people on the sidewalk, but it's been being listened to by some of the other sidewalk talk volunteers who have been you know, arm in arm with me out there in San Francisco where I'm like, oh, they just embrace me however I come. They just know who I am and they see the whole mess and they love me anyway. Mm, I love that. They see the whole mess and they love me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The soapbox is that I think we have to start affording our leaders that. To be messes. To be messy. Because if we don't, we're going to have leaders that are putting on fronts. If we continue to objectify leaders, then we're going to only elect, hire, or employ leaders who are objectifiable. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. I'm, I'm soaking in the words and digesting them, chewing on them. 
because I think this is a really big piece that, that as humans, we are complicated, complex beings. Including leaders. In, I mean, especially leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership is a really isolating, really lonely place. And there's, there's power to, to be sat with in that space. Mm-hmm. And how do we sit with that power in a way that, um, that respects the position? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's part of what makes it so lonely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. along, along the way, um, <laughs> you've already alluded to this, but I want to just dive right in. How has Sidewalk Talk changed you? Mm. (laughs) So much, so much. (sighs) Okay, so number one, I think I was raised in that family where we teased each other and we told jokes and we're loud. My friends used to tease me because I had three jokes that I would tell whenever we'd go out together in college. And it was like the Tracy shtick, right? And it was anxious talking. It was precocious attention seeking. And you know, when I was called to do sidewalk talk, you said, you know, why did I do this? But I also think there's a steep unconscious pull to heal something inside of me, which is that precocious doingness of things. Yeah. And what sidewalk talk has, it hasn't even taught me. It's helped me take a great deal of pleasure in silence, in presence, in slowing down. And my delight that I get from hearing people far exceeds any delight that I get from being the center of attention. And that is no BS. And I would not have known that had it not been for this project. And yet here I am putting myself in the center. So it's like on the one hand, I'm learning, I don't need all this attention. And now because I'm leading, I'm getting attention. But it's, it's funny because in order to continue to lead, I just went and met with the new Heidelberg chapter here tonight. And I, I said to them, I said, I had to get at my butt out on the street and listen because it's what makes me come alive now. It's not all the other stuff anymore. It's the listening. It's the listening and the connecting and the community. Which brings me to this next question. What has listening taught you? Like, how have you learned to listen differently? What have you learned about yourself through the process of listening? How have you learned to listen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to start by saying to all my type A friends out there, this isn't a criticism of speediness. I am very, very speedy. I run at 100 miles an hour. And I've discovered that I enjoy stillness and I don't want to glorify stillness. I know it's, I don't want to shame people that just are doers, right? Because I think some of that goes on in the personal growth space. However, listening is inner and it's an inward receptive space rather than an outward expressive space. 
And it requires a level of stillness that I didn't know that my nervous system and my being loves. There's nothing about that that's part of my family system or my family culture growing up. So you have learned this new way of being still and listening in that space, which I'm guessing has also affected you as a wife, a mom, a friend, and all those personal areas in your life. Yeah. You want to speak I, to that? Yeah. I'm just, um, I'm grinning. So it's it, the timing of, of that particular question is funny because um, I have two sons and they don't get along. So I'm playing referee a lot. And some days I'm exasperated playing referee. I'm just like, really? Also, it's heart, it's heartachy for me because I love them both so much and to not have them dig each other. I, I can feel myself want to sidestep that really fast and like, come on, just get along. You know, I just want to tell them what to do and boss them around. Right. And um, this weekend, there was a crescendo that was reached. And this isn't a yay me story. This is really a how sidewalk talk has changed me story. Because I did something that I think I would have never done in my family. I said, hey, guys, we're going to have a listening circle. And it wasn't because... I was trying to get to some outcome. It's because I was actually completely clueless as to what to do with the level of conflict that was going on. I'm like, I don't know anywhere else to go, but to the listening. And it was so sweet. Number one, one of my sons who seems to not pay attention a lot turned out to be such an amazing listener. I was flabbergasted. Number two, the end my husband teared up we went around and did gratitudes and he said I just thank you for initiating this because I feel like I really got to know my sons today mm. that's a big deal yeah yeah I, I find that listening and the art of learning how to listen is is critical and I I'm guessing that this is one of those edges that a lot of folks that work with you at Sidewalk Talk have to learn at some point, and it's probably something that, you know, you're still working on in some way. I know that I'm constantly working on this myself. But it's really hard when we listen to somebody to put ourselves aside. Yes. Absolutely. And you know what? With our children, because we feel like they're our domain, I think we're the worst at it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I feel like my sons this weekend felt so honored to be respected in a way that I don't think I often respect them because I was able to come with so much humility and like, I don't know what the heck is going on here. So I don't know what to do. And there was something about that that gave me a real sense of beginner's mind when I came to the conversation. Yeah. And for them, it was a new experience. Yeah. Yeah. So is, where do I even go from here? I think, I think those new experiences become things that, you know, they create new experiences within us. We have these experiences that transform us. 
and then we allow ourselves to be transformed by those experiences. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, in all this time that you've been doing Sidewalk Talk, it's been how many years now? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. What's still really hard for you about mm -hmm. connecting and leading Sidewalk Talk? You've had all these different transformative experiences, but there must still be an edge somewhere. Oh, so many. Um, confidence is still hard for me. You know, I can oh. manufacture a fake level of it, but um, especially when it comes to making decisions that affect people beyond myself, that can be hard. And I need mm. a lot, lots of reassurance. Am I doing the right thing? Um, boundaries. From the outside, I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah. No, people think I'm just a narcissistic asshole. And I'm like, yeah, no. I mean, maybe I'm just a, what is it, a, a de decompensated narcissist. I don't know. No, <laughs> I don't know I, if I'd use any of those terms, but okay. <laughs> no, I am, um, you know, I think sometimes it's, when I get going, it's hard for me to let the real sweetness that's in me come forward. Mm -hmm. And I deeply want that to be seen. With my small community of Sidewalk Talk listeners, they know it's there. I mean, a couple of the listeners I'll sit down We'll start a session and I'll say, hey, I want to be listened to before we start. And I'll just sit down and ball. And they'll just sit there and hold space for me while I ball. And then I smile and we hug and I get back up and I go do my greeting thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really, I still think boundaries are really freaking hard for me. I what just want boundaries because I, I think of boundaries. I think of both the external boundaries of not letting things in that hurt us but letting things in enough so that we can feel connected to others. And then there's the internal boundaries of how much do I share? Am I sharing too much? Am I not sharing enough? Mm. So what kind of boundaries are you referring to? I think the boundaries that I'm referring to are when somebody has crossed a line or when something's not working for me relationally, do yeah. I speak up about that and say, Hey, this isn't working for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I pendulate from one extreme to the other. I wait too long to set a boundary until I'm kind of mad, right? Which isn't usually the most opportune moment because then you're not as skillful as you could be, right? Right. Or I go the other, other way and I just have none and then I burnt out. Yeah. I often like to think about boundaries on this continuum where on one side, we're really, really striving for connection. Mm. And on the other side, we're striving for protection. Mm. And it's the integration in between in the middle where we're, we can be both connected and protected. That is what we're striving for. Girl. Right. That, that was like worth a therapy session right there. <laughs> connected and protected. Connected and protected. Cause you, you know, that's the thing is that you can't have connection in a place where you feel disempowered. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a place where you're going to be striving for some form of protection. Mm -hmm. And so we need the intersection between the two. We need to keep that balancing point where we can feel safe and secure mm -hmm. um, to have relationships. Yeah. No, that's so, so beautifully said. And I think having the capacity to track where you are on that continuum, yeah. you know, and learning so much about, I mean, this, I think I've made some progress around is tracking my nervous system and going, Hey, something's not feeling right here where I need to head is to act on it. <laughs> I, I love that though. You know, 
one of my questions for you is why this podcast? But before I even ask you that question, you know, I have a podcast. And part of the reason that I have that podcast is because I get to talk to some really amazing people. Someone that I've talked to somewhat recently was Resma Menikin. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the power of learning ourselves, but not just like learning somatically what's happening inside my body, which is incredibly important, but taking that to the next level of sitting with another person and witnessing each other have mm -hmm. experiences and then taking that into community. Mm -hmm. And I'm bringing that up because I think this is how we need to grow. Mm -hmm. It's how we mend ourselves and mend communities is that we have to have these more somatic experiences, somatic witnessing of our nervous system, but in relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. That's where connection happens. That's where intimacy can occur. And that's what I think you're building with Sidewalk Talk. Mm -hmm. yeah. So why this podcast for you? Yeah. Well, I just want to reflect that what you just said there first, which is I fundamentally believe the core wounds that has us dehumanize each other in the ways that we do that are creating so many problems for our humanity and for our planet come from a sense of separation. And so yeah. what I hear you describing is how do we bridge separation and come back into alignment with our connection and oneness? Mm -hmm. And it's by being in connection through our differences not by eliminating differences, but by being in connection. If you think about the vastness of the species on our planet, it's when we can have empathic resonance with the entirety of all of them that we want to protect and preserve, right? Right. And for me, that practice of sitting there with another human, no matter how much personal growth work you do, it doesn't matter. It's like this, it's the most beautiful starting point right? It's the everything. It's the everything. Well, it's not the starting point. It's the everything. Thank you it's for the saying everything. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why this, why this podcast for you? Yeah. Well, this, this podcast between you and me, because I wanted to be known as a leader and as someone mm -hmm. who's evolved and changed. Um, but also the larger podcast, because I've changed in what I'm doing at Sidewalk Talk. I've shifted out of overgiving. And for I me, just want to pause you there and have you say that again. <laughs> I've oh, shifted girl. out of overgiving. I've shifted out of overgiving. I think everybody who's listening to this podcast needs to like write that on the wall somewhere, like make it a sticky note because all of us probably need to do that. Mm. Yeah. How did you do that? <sighs> well, it could be a, an oddly remnant gift from my, my mother. I don't know. I, my mother passed away recently, and um, we were estranged, and it was a very, very difficult relationship. And in some ways, there were parts of sidewalk talk that I imagine also had to do with wanting to be noticed by her, wanting her to love me. Mm -hmm. And... When she passed, it was like I took off a big winter jacket. And I went, oh, oh, I don't have to do that. And I went through many layers of, and I'm the mother, and I'm the adult. And I also felt a sense of um, peace 
because I'm I started to have imaginary conversations with I wonder what she's like without all that psychological stuff that would go on between the two of us now that she's on the other side if you will what's her spirit like and that whole process of her passing left me in touch with something inside of me that felt more intrinsically me than seeking of her. So you met yourself in that space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring more of that authenticity that I have greater access to, right? I think we're always unfolding. I don't think I've arrived anywhere, but I think some layers have been removed, right? and I've been so clear that I want people to make time in their life for connection, but I don't know that I always live that so well. But I feel like I'm at least improving because of this process of no longer overgiving. And so the podcast for me is what I want to give, and the podcast for me, because I'm interviewing other people, I'm listening, so I'm receiving, and I want to do a lot of receiving. All I keep thinking about is talking to every human that I, inspires me and just getting to be on the other side of that conversation. There's zero part of me that thinks about it in terms of business. You know, it just feels like more connection. It's more connection, but it's connection on your terms. Mm-hmm. It's connection with you putting the boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you hope that this project leads to? <laughs> you know, on a very the young, very young parts of me want and desire for every human walking around to always know that they're wanted, to, to have a smiling face, greeting them when they need it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So that's the real tender longing. The masculine parts of me want to, you know, conquer the world and have a sidewalk talk in every country and have it become the church without the God where people know they can count on reliable, consistent community, you know? (laughs) Isn't it already that? (laughs) Not quite. Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how I think of it. So, I mean, it is in, 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 in the places where it is, but I always, I, I, you know, there's a masculine part of me that wants it to be all over the bigger and better. And then there's another part of me that, that just wants it to help me help yeah. me help you with what remember over and over and over and over again to come back to that damn listening circle. Like I did with my sons. So to remember, to listen, to remember, to listen, to remember, to listen. It's so easy, but we forget. Yeah. It's so easy. And not. (laughs) Well, it's, I think this is the journey of life, of being human. And this is what, you know, I'm, I'm presented with many teachers in many different forms, some who I travel to study with and some who I meet on my podcast um, and some who present themselves in life or in my therapy office. Um, And I have really learned in a lot of different ways that remembering, like coming back into oneness, coming back into our our self as a human, putting the members of ourselves back together. Dr. Estes 
Um, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes writes a lot about this in her book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, where especially in the story of Singing Over the Bones, where she talks about um, these, um, the lobas, these bone women, these wolf women who would go and collect and gather different bones and they would lay them all out until they had a full skeleton and they would sing over the bones until the body would come back together. And so these stories are, are medicine because it's really about reminding us that there are parts of ourselves that we're disconnected from. Mm. And listening seems to be the bridge mm -hmm. that brings us back. Mm -hmm. um, mm. I recently had a guest on my podcast. Um, it's going live later this week, Hedy Schleifer. And we were talking a lot about this bridge um, as an invisible connector between a couple. Mm -hmm. And she said something to me that was really, really interesting that I would love to share with you. Mm. She said, um, what we love in the other is what we see in them that we're not really connected to. Mm. And so we see our wholeness in them and we see them expressing qualities that we've been disconnected from. Mm. Right? We're not connected to those parts of ourselves anymore. And the longing that we hold to be the same really only means that we're afraid to grow, we're afraid mm. to reclaim, we're afraid to be whole, and we're afraid to learn. Mm. And that's why we fall in love with incompatible people. Mm. Right? We need bridges to get to know others. Mm. And the more we get to know others, the more we get to know our own wholeness. And I think that in many ways, that is the same thing that Sidewalk Talk offers. Mm-hmm is that bridge to get to know somebody who we do not know. Yeah. Listening. I, I, I love the imagery of the bones and I, I love what you're saying about the courage to grow through the listening that Hetty brings up. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I've often said this, I said, you know, those homeless folks over there are not those folks over there. They're parts of you. They're parts of me. And until we can integrate those parts, they're going to continue to live out um, the way that we are pushing them aside for us. Like, I know that that sounds like a strange, radical way to say it, but I, I truly believe that, that until we take ownership of our shadow and our light, um, that we'll, we'll find people to hold that stuff for us. And I think that happens in couples too, right? I think um, it happens in every relationship, like even with your sons. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know I, I am guilty of it myself. You know, there are certainly people that in, in different walks of my life where somehow they become all the things that I don't want to be. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> all of the things that I don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings us back to leaders, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think they're the easiest place that we can put them. I mean, I think leaders and homeless people. I think they're the easiest place to, to put all that stuff, you know? Yeah. And addicts. Because they're not, the, they're the them. They're the them. They're the they're other. They're the them. They're the other. Yeah. Which is why we need to hear stories directly from those populations that are way more truthful and vulnerable and spacious, I think. Um, because then we're, we're invited to bring the bones back together. I 100% agree with you, and I want to add a piece to that. Yeah. Because in, in needing to hear those stories, we're also having to open ourselves to listen to the stories. And I just want to reflect on that because I know as a leader of Sidewalk Talk, as the person who put this all together, that may 
be like a, a muscle that you've built so much. But I think for many of us, that openness, that willingness to listen is still very much a growth edge. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's consumed me. I walk down the street like this, ready, yeah. to, ready to hear. And I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. But I long, I long for those bones to come back together, Rebecca. I think everybody does. And really, truly, I, I really believe that we all do. We just don't always know what we're looking for or where to find it. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the coming back together, hmm. I have one more question for you. Okay. What new strengths have you discovered through, through this project, through Sidewalk Talk, through all of this leadership, through hmm. everything that this is called and asked of you? What have you discovered about yourself that you didn't know? <laughs> I'm grinning. Um, I can hear your grin. <laughs> um, I'm going to say something really bold. Maybe I knew it, but I can be bold in saying it. My heart is never wrong. It's just getting in there sometimes. That's the challenge. <laughs> yeah. But man, it's so good in there. Your heart is never wrong. Never. Can you give us like a little example of, of a, a moment, a clip in time where that was reinforced for you? Mm. Mm. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story from the sidewalk. It's my favorite story, and I've told it in settings in the past, but I've never spoken about it in any kind of digital form. I was in another state listening. And I had to fly back home. And as we were packing up, a man sits down on a park bench near where our listeners were set up. And I thought of all the park benches in this place, you chose this one. So as I'm packing up the chairs, I walk by him, going to grab another chair. And I said, hey, how's your day going? Could be better. Not the man that you thought would be having a bad day because he's wearing a button-down shirt and slacks and he's got a wheelie laptop case. So he looks, he, we're across from the courthouse. He looks like he's maybe a lawyer or something, professional guy. And I just slithered on in and I said, you want to talk about it? Mm. And then he proceeded to tell me that he wasn't at the courthouse because he's a lawyer, because he was meeting with his parole officer. And I got to hear a long story about um, his wife and his kids and coming from the inner city. And, you know, he said, there are so many different ways that I can make money, but it's so easy to sell drugs. And it's very hard in this country when you're a, a black man to, to get a good job because, and he just had this story of pain. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, do I do just the basic reflective listening? And my heart said, no, you need to say something else. Just, you got, you got to say what you're really hearing underneath all this. And so I took a risk and I trusted my heart and it wasn't coming from any unconscious motivation or bias. It's just, there was a resonance there and an honesty. And I said, man, you know what I'm hearing? He said, what? I said, what a good man you are. Mm. And he started bawling. 
And I put my arms around this big man in his business suit. And I held him while he cried. And I could feel the same. I just felt in uh, the parts of me that want to feel like a good yeah. woman. That you're a good person. That I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. In spite of all the problems that, that I face and the mistakes I make. And so we parted and then he, you know, as someone does when they have a release like that, he immediately goes into this hopeful place of what he actually envisions for his life. And um, I was just so touched. I wanted to be friends with him. You know, that's how I felt. I'm like, oh, now I have to leave. I can't be, we're not going to be friends. I'm never going to see you again. And I said to him, I said, hey, I got, I got something I need from you. He said, sure, what's that, Tracy? I said, I just want to know that if you ever see me on a park bench looking like I need to be listened to, would you sit down and listen with me? And he said? He smiled and he said, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it was just this simple moment of pure humanity. But if I hadn't taken the risk to say that deeper thing that my heart said, you can say this, I don't know that we would have dropped in to that space that was so magical and special and, you know. Yeah. And on the less cute side, Rebecca, I've also asked people to leave this project from Heart Space. I imagine that that's really difficult. Well, we talked about boundaries. It's really Mm -hmm. difficult. But what happens is we were talking before we got got on this recording about um, what you had said from your teacher about making sure that you build a tribe and a community that are so in alignment. And the alignment that it has to be with is my heart. It's not the skill set. It's not the brand. It's not the people they know. I just feel it right in there. And I have to be careful. I have to take it into my own therapy to make sure that my own unconscious BS isn't actually the one speaking to me. But um, when those, those parting of ways have happened, everything becomes still again. And everything becomes in flow. And I think for the other person too, Right? Because if there's not that heartfelt resonance, they're not having a good time either. Right. There's something about being aligned with the mission of what we're doing. And that's true for families. It's true for um, groups of people in any way. Mm-hmm. But when we're working together on, a, on the same mission, we really all need to be in alignment with that mission. And heart alignment. Yes. Like there is that business side, intellectual alignment, and then there's the heart alignment. That's the distinction. I can feel it down in there. Hmm. Is there, I mean, you're talking about being able to feel it down in there, down in your heart. <laughs> is, there, is there a way like in your body that you have come to notice that alignment? I know that I have certainly found ways to tap into within my body that are like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, okay, there we are. Yeah, but I'm curious if you have that too. If you've noticed certain, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. The first is that I, I, everything has to be still, right? And the reason why is that it's so easy for my doing self, it can feel really energized and electric, but I can't hear myself so well from that faster place. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, oh, I'm going to go touchy-feely. It, it really is a felt sense of warmth in the chest and a kind of beaming coming out that both embraces myself and the other at the same time. So it's not leaving me out. And it's all centered around a sense of I love you and I feel loved by you. And there's this knowingness about that, that that provides some of the stillness that I'm describing, right? It's just a solidness in the knowing that there is so much love here. It's interesting because as I'm listening, what I'm hearing is how simple this complicated dynamic really is. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... On, on so many levels, we keep coming back to the same thing, to be known and to be loved, to be seen as a good human, to feel like we belong, to not be in an us versus them, like to, to be in that space of like, I can love me and I can love you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not being in that us versus them space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I have volunteers sometimes contact me to complain and there are complaints that I get that are still in the us space. And so when they complain, they're very much in the us. Mm -hmm. And it's this beautiful un un unraveling and unfolding and growth. Yeah. And then there's volunteers that complain that are in the versus them space. And it's hard and it's tough and it's confining and difficult to grow there. You know, I mean, I think that, that's the beauty. There's an opportunity to grow there if you hang out in the dialogue and practice the, what, what I would say are the listening tools where you can soften and soften and soften when you come together and have a live conversation. But sometimes it's not possible. But knowing that felt sense in the body um, and, and knowing that, gosh, I really can, can only be, um, is that true? Can I only be, I am choosing to really create a tribe where we foster belonging at all costs. And mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's not going to happen, then we don't force it. Then, then you move on to another project and we stay here. And I, I just, there's something that's churning in me around that, where early on, I think I would, grow, I would foster growth for its own sake. But now we're just, I, I'm like less interested in growth for its own sake. I'm interested in the inside of the organization to feel like what I want the world to look like. Say more about that. If, you know, the world, we're all different. We need to confront each other. But when we need to sort of have our identity known and respected, if we come to each other, even if it's angry, you can use anger, but still feel us and us. Yeah. You can be really angry with someone and love them so much, right? So you can, you can do anything. And, and I think about the environment when I'm speaking of this. We can be really angry and love each other and say these hard things when we're coming from belonging and our connectedness as the foundation 
that holds all of our differences. Yeah, I think we need more, more spaces where we can all not have to agree, but hear each other. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if we could disagree and still feel like we belong to each other at the same time? On this planet? Holy shit. (laughs) It would be so, like that would be everything. I think that's that's the crux. Like when you look around the world right now and you look at what all of the divides are, that's the root of them. But disagreement is beautiful. The thing is, is where we disagree is, is where we get to know each other. It's, it's, it's all the beauty of our, all of our different species, right? There's so many different kinds of beings on the earth. Would I want to make them all the same? No, and I don't want to make people all the same either. What a loss. But we, we seem to think that if we don't agree or we're not the same, that we can't belong to one another, and that is wrong. Yes. It is wrong. Because we, we, can, we can belong even in places where we're so different. And I think that's really the message that I'm hearing through all of your work, is that we can all belong. And we can make it happen on a freaking sidewalk. Mm. You know what else is coming to mind for me? Mm. I think it's, um, Haiti told me this, so I'm, I'm borrowing it from her, but she says that in Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, mm-hmm. he talks about how when 3% of the population does something, it, it can become an epidemic. Mm-hmm. And so what would it take to create 3% of the population around the world who can start listening, mm-hmm. who can start holding space for the differences? Mm-hmm. who can start still f- working on that space of belonging and oneness, even when we disagree. Yeah. Like that would be a tipping point. And I think there are a lot of organizations alongside Sidewalk Talk that are shooting for that 3%. We are aiming for it and we are reaching for that star together for sure. Mm. Is there anything else you want to leave your listeners with? Hmm. <laughs> my giggle always proceeds am I going to be this vulnerable so when I giggle <laughs> I'm giggling because something vulnerable just came up um, I really really love I really love these listeners I, I really love these people in a, in a, in a deep way they give me a sense of home like I've never felt. And I feel safe and I feel known um, because I know that we share this sense of connection and desire for belonging worldwide together. And my love is so legit for them. It's big. It's why I keep working my buns off for them. That's what I want them to know. I want them to know I'll say it directly. I love you. I can feel your love over here emanating. Tracy, thank you so much for the opportunity to get to know you deeper, to listen, Mm -hmm. and to hear your heart. Mm 
Mm. I love you too. Oh, you make me cry. Girl, the reason why I wanted to be in this dialogue is because I wanted to be loved by you and I wanted people to hear us loving each other. Mm -hmm. And I really also do want to celebrate what you're building with the Connectfulness Practice and Connectfulness Practice podcast too, because I think there's a level of depth. You, you gave people a flavor here, but if you want more of Rebecca, go check it out. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a I'm a fan girl. Mm, I'm a fan of yours, so it's mutual, mm-hmm. reciprocal. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode of the Sidewalk Talk podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family, like and comment on the podcast publisher that you're listening from and subscribe. This will help us get the word out about changing our culture to one of connection.